Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Gavalia. And this is going to be a fun conversation for me because Dominique has been going through the Off to a Great Start online clinic that I put up earlier this year. And as part of that course, there are opportunities for people to join in to discussions. I post various questions about the material that we're going through, observations, things of that sort. And uh, we've had some just phenomenal, phenomenal conversations as a result of that. And so, Dominique, as you've been reading through all of that, there were things I think that really jumped out at you and that you thought would be fun to talk about. Well, they're, they're everywhere. I mean, all these discussions, the course is, is or the, the clinic, the online clinic is great, but these um, discussions are really um, so rich. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect that I would get so much out of the discussions. And I'm still in the introduction of the introduction, and I've gotten so much already out of both the course and those discussions because people, first of all, are really taking the time to write. Because you ask all these questions at the end of every lesson, and people are really taking the time to write, but you are also really taking the time to answer the questions. You're extremely generous. Um, There's so much advice and tips and, and it's a safe place, which is very rare these days, you know, so people are coming up with their challenges and difficulties and you're really addressing them and you're giving them very practical suggestions to put into uh, execution. And so it's, um, I'm really, really enjoying it. You know, I'm, I don't know if you'll ever want to go back to in-person clinics <laughs> after that, um, you know, with the, and, and with the addition of the, the coaching sessions, because I've attended two of those so far and it's just, I think it's so complete, the whole thing together, the discussions, um, the coaching sessions. And so you, I'm really getting a lot out of it, you know. Wow. And you're an experienced trainer. I and mean, this is what I've been saying. Yeah, and I I'm I'm in the I'm not even in the in the juicy stuff yet. <laughs> I'm in all the beginner stuff, you know, because you're really taking your time yeah. to really build everything and go through all the details. And I'm already getting a lot out of it. Yeah. Because you know the the, the introductory steps. There's just, the more you explore them, the more you see that sitting in them. And one of the things that I really had not anticipated when I was setting up the this, I don't know whether to call it a course or a clinic, this online study course, we'll call it, when I was setting it up, I had not appreciated what a rich resource the discussion questions were going to provide. So every new person who joins is getting something that is so much greater 
really than the original than just the original material. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are, people are bringing up real stuff. Yes, and and also you know you're kind of sharing with them their little because sometimes it's you know they're asking a question because they find something challenging. Other times they're just kind of sharing, you know, little things like. In the day-to-day with their horse, their rituals or, you know, kind of in a way, I'd call it the intimacy they have there. You know, I'll give you an example. And there are things that you go through with your horse too. And it's kind of fun to see that, oh, yeah, look, her too. You know, she's, she's asked herself that question. Her horse does that. And she's decided to do this, just like I have. So for instance, you know, someone said, it's just a little thing, but someone said, oh, there's sand in my arena. And sometimes during my training session, my horse will go out and roll and come back and I let him. And, you know, just that for me, because I always, you know, I always think, I always observe when Woody, because Woody is my only horse who would do that. The, yeah. um, like Bonanza doesn't really like to roll. Woody will always roll first thing once and then he's rolled so when he rolls during a session for me it means something you know it's something that I should be looking at it may mean that he's finding the puzzle a little bit too difficult it may mean different things but I will let him roll and I won't you know make a big deal out of it he'll come back and so you know people write things like that or you know someone wrote that for for their horse the novelty is very, seems to be very important, motivating. And so they keep their sessions very short and they never do the same thing one day after the other. So it's kind of, you know, you get into people's lives yes, and they share these things and you comment, you know, you, you, yeah. you may give them some insight about something, um, some advice. Sometimes they ask very direct questions and you really give them, you know, a path to follow. So yeah. I'm, be- I'm really, and, and, and there are other times where there are, and I, you know, I'll get into a few examples and I'd, I'd like to do that from time to time in the podcast, because there's just so many little gems in there. Yes. And, and it may be that, you know, there may be some parts that you, you're more, how she's interested in because it just so happens that it it addresses something you're going through with your horse. It may not be the exact same problem, but the advice is very much uh, relevant to your own problem. And so, you know, you may, you may kind of get more um, attentive on something than I would maybe, because it's just not what's happening right now with my horses, but I'm pretty sure that there's something to refine, help you solve even tiny little things or bigger things um, in there for sure, for sure. And I mean, this is only the beginning of the first one and you have how many, eight or nine? Yeah, there there are eight courses. I mean, for sure, it's an investment in time you know, for everyone, because, you know, the people who are writing for you and every morning, I spend a little bit of time on this course, because I want to get, you know, I want to go through it. And I haven't even written in it. Because, you know, there's so much there already 
just to read and, um, you know, just to jot down a few things so that we can share here. And you didn't ask me to share. You didn't ask me to do this. I just said to you, I want to I wanna do this because there are all these gems in these conversations. It's a goldmine, this, this, these yeah. discussions. So, yeah. And, and so, you know, you, you said a few minutes ago, you said, I don't know if you're ever going to want to do in-person clinics again. And yeah. that, is a, that is a question. And it may be that if I do them, it would be with that prerequisite of you know, because this gone resource through is this? there uh-huh. um, so, that, so that people are, get more so people get more from the in-person clinic but that's that wasn't really the point I was heading for it's more I've been giving in-person clinics for so long that where we have these conversations you know we sit around a table at lunch or at dinner and we talk about the training and and it it makes it so much more personal and or we we talk about what we've just seen and we go off on various tangents etc cetera, etc cetera, that as people, post their responses to the various conversation prompts, we'll call them, that the reason that I've been writing so much is because I've really been enjoying the conversation. And it really does become very much like the kinds of conversations that we would be having if we were sitting across the table from one another at lunch. So there are two things about that that I would maybe add or say that I think we can get more uh, because they're not in person is that first of all, when sometimes some of these conversations we had during the in-person clinics, they would be late at night or yes. later. And you know, you've gone through two, three days of the clinics and you're a little bit tired and there are d- these gems coming out, but you're kind of a little bit tired and it's spoken word. So it's gone. You know, you yes. don't have it anymore. Whereas here, well, you do it at your own pace. So, of course, if you're sitting there, most likely you're not super tired. And if you read something and you really think, oh, this this I need to think about this, you can come back. You can yes. read it again and again. And so. I don't know. For me, I, I, you know, I really, really like this format. I'm finding that I can get a lot. I like to be able to take notes. I'm that kind of person, which is something I haven't really done in an in-person clinic. So I'm just enjoying this format. What can I say? You know, it's true that the in-person, you get the social contacts and that's great. But I think in terms of what you can learn, uh, you know, in the coaching clinics, you can really, um, you know, we're all here. And when you're ex- you're looking at a video, you use your little arrow with your mouse to point to us uh, where to look. You, you stop the video, you rewind it, and you have it look at it again after you've said to us, this is what you should be looking at. All things you cannot do when, and we've we've already mentioned this, I think, when we talked about, but it's just that now I'm going through it and I'm really seeing right. the value of it. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm quite enjoying it and I think people could get a lot out of it. So and I just wanted to kind of bring a couple of examples of things that, okay. you know, so I've what, enjoyed. Yes. What has uh, struck your, your fancy? And, and, you know, also sometimes in your answers, you, you write these things, you know, that are 
I guess I call them, it may not be the right word, but more philosophical in a way, you know, like I'll give you an example. Um, you wrote at somewhere, this is in the food mugging uh, section. Okay. okay. You wrote, the conversation is not a burden. I think that's very profound. Uh, statement. So I'll just give you a little bit of yeah, context. So, so, yes. Yeah. So this is, um, uh, you're, you're talking about, you know, a horse that has been perfect throughout the session, the training session, they were doing good grown ups and everything was, you know, their head was at, you know, between their shoulder blades, and they were not mugging their handler. But then the session uh, between brackets ends. And now there's this just this kind of discussion. Let's say you are in a, a in-person clinic, so you're with the handler and their horse, who's been perfect throughout. But then you start talking. Okay. And this horse, who's been through, you know, who's had quite a lot of reinforcement over the past, let's say, ten minutes, all of a sudden is going into extinction because there's no more reinforcement. The handler yeah. is now talking with you and they're not even paying attention to what the horse is doing. So the horse will start to try and get their attention by doing, you know, all kinds of what we would probably label as unwanted behavior, just like a little child would, you know, try to get their yeah. mother's yeah. attention. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you, you go into the fact that you cannot expect your horse to just stand there if you and 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 not in in this case the the person was saying my horse is mugging me you cannot expect your horse to know how not to mug you when you haven't gone through a teaching process you need to teach yes. the horse how to what to do and how to get reinforcement while you're having this long conversation with somebody else and it, it, there's, so this kind of goes into the discussion about is, is training really limited in time? Are we really having these training sessions and then there's nothing? Or you're kind of suggesting, and we've talked about this on another podcast, the fact that training never really ends, right? That we're always in training with our animals. And so for some people, it's like, well, you know, if I'm always in training with my animal, I'm trying to do this, you know, trying to clean up the barn and he's always wanting to be in a conversation with me because he's throwing all these behaviors at me. And, and so, you know, this, this phrase, the conversation is, is not a burden. Yes. Something to think about, you know, yes. is it for me a burden? That Because you hear that a lot. I don't want my horse to always be, you know, the minute I set foot in the barn that they want to have a conversation with me and they're throwing behaviors at me. So you can look at it as a nuisance, 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 or you can think about this, you know, that it's a conversation that it's not a burden, that it's a welcome conversation. Of course, you do need to clean the barn and you do want to be able to, you know, 
go around the barn and feel that you have some space to for your own agenda. So that teaching process, you go into that teaching yes. process, but it's just, you know, also, I find that's the gem of writing too, is the beauty of writing is that you, you have these phrases that you can, you know, highlight and just munch on. I, yes. I just loved yes. it. You know, it's something yes. that I highlighted. The conversation is not a burden. Not I a like burden. Yeah, I like that. And and so of course you you you, you give some uh, some practical advice on how to make that work because it's one thing to say it's not a burden, but if it is a burden for you, what do I right. do about it? What do it? I do? Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Just well, I don't remember what I said for that conversation. So I maybe end up saying very different things. But okay. I mean one one thing that you could decide is is this a training situation or a management situation yeah so if I really have to get the barn cleaned up and I'm on the clock and I don't have time to interact with my horse then let's let's find a management solution yeah. give your horse uh, some hay put him uh, put turn him out you know close close a gate so he's not in the area that you're trying to clean that's a management solution. So you 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 said also, you know, you gave the example of a small child. Yes. Where you said if you wanted a, a child to do something else, you would give them a drawing book. You wouldn't just say, go sit in the corner and, and be quiet. Yeah. You would give them something to do while you're doing your own thing. You know, yeah. so it's a management solution where they're having a little puzzle to play with or something to do. And if, if we take that metaphor of the small child, when you have a very small child, you know that raising a child is a labor-intensive process. Yeah. That there will be a period of years in which big blocks of your time will, or somebody's time, whether it's your time or daycare or somebody, but somebody is needing to focus on that child. And that the child is, does not yet have the skills to entertain themselves. Yep. That, that That is a learning process. Same thing with puppies. If you got a puppy in the house, you would know that there would be a period of time in which you would be needing to focus a lot of your time and attention while you were training the puppy to live in human environments. And some of that would require uh, management solutions. Right now I'm putting you in your X pen, I'm putting you behind a baby gate, I'm putting you in a crate. I'm giving you a Kong with some I'm, frozen yes. stuff in it that will yes. take you at least 20 minutes to lick. Yes, while I have this com phone conversation. Yeah. And then there will be other times where uh, I will need to pay attention to you while you are in my living room so that you don't end up chewing my freshly upholstered brand new sofa. Mm. Okay, so there is this teaching process. So initially, I may, where my horse is in terms of the learning scale of being able to interact with me in the environments that, we've, that I've set up for my horse, he may be in the toddler stage, where when I am with him, he will be on fairly high rates of reinforcement and I will need to have my focus on him because he doesn't yet have the skills for me to have a long conversation with you while he just stands there. And then 
over time, the, that duration will expand and I will build it out to the length of time that I need for that particular horse. So for example, you know, Panda is a great example to use for this. So pandas are the mini that works as a guide. And when, when I first started training her, she did not understand long duration. And I remember like, the first time that we drove anywhere uh, with her in the car any length of time, and I was sitting in the back with her and somebody else was driving the car. And, and it was click, treat, click, treat, click, treat on a fairly steady basis because she had no, no duration. And to expect longer duration would have just created opportunities for her to be mugging my pocket. So instead I was on really, really tight, tight, clean loops in which the unwanted behavior was not being practiced. Over time, Panda got to the point where, and, and I think this is a, a great example to use because people have a sense of how long this takes, that Panda could guide her blind owner to a restaurant and we could have dinner together where uh, you go through the whole, there's the salad course, the main meal, you know, the, the coffee and tea and dessert afterwards. And Panda is standing next to Anne's chair through that whole process. That's a very extended duration right. of the grown-ups are talking. Please don't interrupt. You gave the example of, I think it was Robin too, who always accompanies you when you do a, uh, chores in the barn yes and so and you always have your vest with your treats so yes. you're the training is always going on so you you gave that example also that it didn't happen overnight but that now he can be pretty patient with you doing what you have to do yeah. and waiting for the pile of manure to be all that you're all done with the pile and can you talk to that a little bit yeah so like which how how much of a story do I tell? So when when we when he was living in the boarding barn, uh, none of the horses got enough turnout. You know that was always a stress point for me because it's a boarding barn, and you're having to share resources with a lot of other horses. So it was really important for me in the evenings when I was there. If the arena was empty, I would have one of the horses out in the arena. So in the evening, it was often Robin who would be in the arena. And the shavings pile was at the far end of the arena. And in the winter, the shavings were often frozen. So it, it, you had to sort of really dig into them. And so it, it, it took a lot of effort to get your wheelbarrow filled because the shavings had, had enough moisture in them that, they, uh, that the pile would be somewhat frozen. And so Robin would be in the arena and he would, of course, accompany me to the far end uh, while I was filling the wheelbarrow after I'd cleaned his stall. And at first it was really hard to fill the wheelbarrow because first of all, I'm having to chip into the pile, which takes a little bit of time. And while I'm doing that, Robin is posing and doing, you know, offering this lovely behavior that, that did not have any duration built into it. So I'm having to click and treat and try and fill the, the wheelbarrow, which, took quite a bit of time. But what I started to opportunistically reinforce him for was rocking back and taking a step back. So he would rock back and take a step back and I would click and treat 
and then over a period of you know as as the evening and the days progressed he was rocking back and backing two or three steps and I could get a shovelful into the wheelbarrow and then he was backing five or six steps and I could get two shovels full and then it was I'm gonna I'm gonna get this next bit of shavings freed up before I click so it so the duration built very naturally and over a period of not very long just a couple of, of evenings he was backing 60 feet to the width of the arena and then he was going around the corner and then he was heading down the long side of the arena and I was getting the wheelbarrow filled and on the way back to the near end of the arena I would be pushing the wheelbarrow and Robin would come over and he would turn himself around and back the length of the arena with me as I pushed the wheelbarrow which I just found utterly charming and it means that he has just got phenomenal backing because mm -hmm. he's eager to back and backing is such a critical part of this. Probably but, if you'd been in a formal session you would have asked him for so I many would steps. Never, I would never. I <laughs> but here said. it was really in your interest that he and in a way you know it was like well if you don't back you don't back I'm just doing this right, chore. Right. So you, you, you weren't so um, focused on the outcome. Yeah. And you got real good duration. Uh -huh. I would never have asked for that much backing because mm. I would have said, oh, this is really too hard much. work yeah. and it's too much to be asking him. Yeah. Actually, it didn't matter to me if he was backing. Exactly. He just, that's what he... He picked uh, that. He chose that. Yeah. Right. Because this is why you say, too, that the foundation lessons weren't picked out of the blue. Those are no. good choices. I mean, if your horse is backing or going into grown-ups, those are good choices. If your horse is doing Spanish walk while you're trying to mock, that is not great. Not such a great choice. So it's no. not part of the foundation yeah. lessons. Yeah. yeah. And what this has evolved into is that now in the mornings when I go out to clean the arena or I'm working in the barn, that Robin can accompany me. Mm -hmm. And it's not a nuisance. Right. That it is time that we get to spend together. Mm. It's part of the our our relationship. And it's a very pleasant part of the relationship. I don't I don't have to say ever to him, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do this other thing. Or or you don't say things like, oh my God, he's so intense around food. You don't know. Or he's so intense about offering me behaviors. Exactly. It's, it's it's just very relaxed, very comfortable. He can offer behaviors to me or not. It is all his choice what he is uh, presenting to me. Mm -hmm. And it creates just a lovely... It, but it's your choice what you're reinforcing. Well, it is my choice what <laughs> I reinforce, yes. Mm -hmm. But he, he has learned he can control you with these good choices. Yes, that's, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And so what has emerged out of this is uh, just a lovely relationship building opportunity to spend more time with my horse. Yeah, you hang out and it's, it's yeah. pleasant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The conversation is not a burden. And yet you're constantly in conversation. Yeah. yeah. The conversation is not a burden. And if I needed to put him somewhere else while I did the barn chores, mm -hmm. that's a big chunk of time in which I don't get to interact with my horse. Mm -hmm. 
And all of us lead really busy, busy, busy mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. So every opportunity that we get to actually spend time directly with our horses is mm -hmm. precious. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. another example yeah. of something I like. So this, this could relate to, because I'm in the food mugging, you know, I realized that, because I, I thought when I first went into that, when you first asked that question, you know, I thought, oh, my horses don't, they don't mug. And then I realized that there were a couple of occasions where, no, I had to work on that again. You know, yeah. like um, when I was going into their uh, summer paddock, I had this, um, I have this setup where I have a, like a, a corn that I put uh, in front of their shelter. So I can go in the shelter with one horse and the other horse is just waiting on the other side. Woody, of course, because he's so small, he can kind of go underneath, ah. come in and out. But anyway, yeah. I may have to put a second rope. I shouldn't say cord, rope, a second rope with, you know, I have the rope with the, with the emergency snaps at each end that are tied to the, the, the actual shelter. Anyway, but so I realized that when, and then I have to bring all my stuff in the shelter. So uh, I bring my treats, my camera, I bring my little uh, grooming, um, uh, what do you call it in English? You know, the, uh, the, groom, yeah, the kit, the, the, the bucket, yeah. yeah. And a little bit of water and some towels and see if, if I need to, you know, clean their eye or stuff. So I have lots of stuff. So I'm doing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. and. I realized that sometimes I've been kind of um, sloppy about that, where I kind of throw them a tree to, to, to get them off of me while I'm doing this back and forth. And of yeah. course, you know, over time, this doesn't get better because they've learned that if they come to me, I'm going to throw treats. So they both come to me and they're kind of in my way. So that's mugging. Yeah, that is mugging. Yeah. And, you know, I thought because they, they would never mug me during a session or usually they're pretty polite. But, you know, I just thought, OK, now I need to clean this up. This is not going to get any better. And so because of the of the clinic of the course, I started, you know, being very methodic and very, you know, working actually on that. So you had a, you you basically developed a plan rather yeah. than just letting it happen by default. Yeah, yeah. And and that was what we worked and eventually in that in that in those lessons, but I mean the first lesson already because the plan was pretty good. <laughs> so it kind of just worked out. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I want more duration now because I had to tend to it uh, where I would like for it to where I'd like to get more duration, but you know, basically I just put two mats and two buckets. And so when they, they, they each go to the mat, then they get the food in the bucket. And because the food is also, there's a little bit of management because I throw the, in the bucket, I have some hay. Yep. And so when I throw the treats, they kind of have to search for it in the hay. So it takes more time and I have plenty of time to go in and out, in and out. And, you know, if they come to me, they don't get anything. If they go back to the mat, 
I will go in and throw treats and they can exchange mats. I'm not asking at this point that they have their own mats or anything like that. I just want them to be on the mat and this is where you're going to get the treats. And so that gives me time to do my stuff. And then I can get the horse, the one I've selected to go into the shelter because everything's ready in there. Um, but I, I, you know, it was kind of the, 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 the whole food mugging conversation that got me to think, uh, this isn't clean. You know, I'm not yeah. enjoying this part when I'm going into that paddock that they're kind of, and, and it's evolved because in the beginning, all I had to put out for, to occupy them was just some hay, but then it kind of evolved. And you know, when, when you say, if you have a problem, don't worry, it'll <laughs> get bigger. Yes. <laughs> well, then I started throwing the treats, but for no, for no, just to get them to, 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 to go away, yeah. go away. Yeah. So it was a super bad plan. You know, in a way it's, it's, it's not a desperation clicks in the, in it's a defense click in a way, you know, in a way, yeah. It, it, yeah, because you just want to get rid of them. And so you're, you're throwing treats, but you're actually reinforcing the very thing that you hate. And so don't yeah. worry, dear, it'll get big enough get that bigger. at some point you'll just say, duh, I need to work on this because I'm not liking this and this yeah. is getting worse and worse and worse. So anyway, and, and it, it, it's not, you know, because they're savvy horses, it's not a, that big of a deal to, to work on. You know, once you decide I'm focusing on this part now, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as I get their clean, their feet clean, you know, even if I, this is the training session. This is it. We're not yep. working on anything else. This is what we need to work on. So, and you have the components in yeah. place. So yeah, they because understand I have the math work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it it that's a nice segue. So I have a couple of other conversations if we have time that I I really love because you were talking about maths in the in one of the discussions and there was this this. Um, discussion about the fact that sometimes people have the mats out there, but they, today they've decided that they don't want to work on landing on the mat. Yeah. That's yeah. not what they want to do today, but they taught their horse to go to the mat. They have magnetized the mat, made yes. the mat super attractive. But today I'm not working on the mat. So my horse is going to the mat. I'm not going to reinforce him because that's not what I'm working on today. And so you were saying that you see that in clinics where the horse is yeah. confused and frustrated. Why am I not uh, being reinforced? I've landed on the mat, you know? And so I, I'm, I'm just going to start where some of the uh, the, the, the suggestions you made, but I'd like for you to talk a little bit about that. I thought it was an, an important lesson because you said, you know, when you start working with multiple mats, you can teach a horse, and it's the same in a way with grass. Uh, you can teach a horse that, okay, we're going to pass this mat, but we're going to this other mat and you're going to get reinforced on this other mat. And so it's not a big deal. It's not like this big frustrating thing, confusing thing for the animal that he didn't get uh, reinforced for going on the map because you wanted to go play. I don't know what you just wanted to ride 
around the cones or whatever. Yeah. So you have this, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, the, the first comment that springs to mind, and again, I don't remember that the particular conversation, but what I would say if I were writing right now is don't make your horse wrong for something that you've taught, taught him. I think that's right. really an important piece. And, and I see that happening a lot. You've taught the horse to retrieve, and now he wants to retrieve your, all your brushes. <laughs> but you haven't taught him, you know, for every behavior you teach, there is an opposite behavior you must teach to keep things in balance. So if all you've taught him is, is to retrieve, don't be surprised if he wants to retrieve things. And it's not fair to your horse to say, well, no, we're not retrieving right now. Right. No, either that's not today's plan. Right. One of the ways that you can manage this is if you're not going to be using the mats, take them away. Take the mats away. Yeah. That's the easiest solution. Yeah. If yeah. you're if your lesson plan does not currently involve using the mats, well just make your life simpler by yeah. taking the mats away. Mm -hmm. Because then you're not putting your horse into conflict. Yeah. But then we also want situations, so for example, we want to be able to have a mat in the center of the, the, the of a cone circle and to not be dragged into the mat uh, whenever the horse happens to spot it because mats do get magnetized. So we want to be able to teach the horses we're going to the mat now and now we're leaving the mat. And that's part of good mat manners. So the basic setup of the runway lesson where you, you, you have that, uh, you set up your cone so that they form a, a V, a funnel, and at the top of the funnel, the wide part of the, the runway lesson, you're teaching the horse to take one step forward or one step back, but it's individual steps, and you click and treat as the horse initiates into movement, and then as you've done, after you've done a little bit of, can I take one step, can I take uh, click and treat, can you give me another single step, click and treat, but then you release the horse forward, and you walk forward to the mat, and the horse steps on the mat, and that in the runway that you could do that little bit of forward and back, forward and back, single steps, release the horse forward, you start walking towards the mat, but midway through you click and interrupt this, uh, so you're interrupting this beautiful walking beside me, and you do a couple more, can, can you take one step back, another one step forward, and it's on such a high rate of reinforcement that the horse is not going but I have to get to the mat because the mat is the only place that I get reinforced. Mm -hmm. So then you release into the mat and the horse stands on the mat. And after he's been on the mat for a little bit, you remember that, oh yes, if I don't leave the mat, I may get the horse so stuck on the mat that I can't, that he won't leave the mat. So you teach him to leave the mat. And this process, the runway lesson results in a horse that has really nice mat manners, that he walks with you to the mat. He's not dragging the dragging you to the mat because he's so eager to get there. He lands on the mat, he stays on the mat, and doesn't need you to keep putting him back on. He, he, he keeps his feet on the mat, and then when you're ready to leave, he leaves the mat. And this is very much you're working on the same type of emotions and emotional control that a horse needs when you're taking him out to turnout. You know, the horse wants to get to the turnout. He's eager to get to the turnout. And, and so you get dragged to turn out. Well, once a horse understands that mats are a good place to get clicked and reinforced, you could get dragged to a mat. It's just, it's not as intense 
an emotion as the horse is experiencing when it's early morning on a cool fall day and all the other horses have been turned out and boy is he eager to get out to turn out. You're controlling the intensity of the emotions because it's just a mat. While you teach him the skills and the emotional control that's needed to be able to stay with you while you walk to something that he really wants, which in this case is the mat. And later it will be turnout. The grass. Yeah, or yeah. grass. Or, or, and he'll be able to manage his emotions. So, so that's the first part of it. So now you have a horse that will walk with you to a mat. And you want that when the horse sees the mat, when you get within sort of the, the sphere, the, the, the sort of like the gravitational pull of the mat that you want the horse to go to the mat without needing a lot of guidance from you. So the tra- the mats do have a tractor beam effect. Mm-hmm. And depending upon how you're using the mats, so often we are we teach the horses not just to lead to lead beside us as we walk to a mat. So we're going together as two connected dance partners. But we also often teach horses to go out to mats. I'm going to stay here Mm -hmm. and I'm going to send you ahead of me and you're going to find your way on your own to a mat. So we teach that as well. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't be any surprise if I'm in the arena and say I'm, I'm working in hand or I'm riding and my horse spots a mat and he says, oh, I must go to the mat. Yeah. And so I need to go through a teaching process that explains to the horse well, how about we leave that mat alone? But it's not a big deal because there's another mat just past it. It's a bit like the, uh, the sort of like the marshmallow test that we were talking about in that wonderful conversation with Michaela, where, you know, you're asking, you're saying, could you delay your, your, your reinforcer for just a little bit? Instead of, instead of stepping on this mat, which is three steps away from you, how about waiting and going past that mat? And I will absolutely let you step on this mat that's two steps beyond. And so the horse learns that it's okay to go past one mat because another mat is coming up. And you are, you are going through that teaching process so that eventually what will happen is you can have an arena that is full of mats and the horse will be ignoring them until you say to him, that mat over there, that's important. You can go to it now. But it's a teaching process. Right. And I, what I see often is that people are short-circuiting the teaching process. And they know that they don't want the horse going to the mat yet but they haven't gone through that teaching process. And so the horse lands on the mat and expects to be clicked and reinforced for being on the mat because that's the norm. And instead the person pushes them on off the mat. And so what you're doing is you're really reducing the usefulness of that mat as a conditioned Mm -hmm. reinforcer. Yeah. So the idea of adding another mat not too far is an easy way to, because it's another mat. 
yeah. you know, I'm giving yeah. you, you, I didn't give you that piece of cake, but you're still getting another piece of cake. Yeah. And it's just as good. Just as good. It's just as good. It's just two steps beyond right. where, where this cake is, but it's just as yummy as the one that you're going past. Yeah. yeah. I'm not asking you that instead of going to the mat, that you're going to do this complicated thing. We're just going to another mat. Yeah. And it, it's not, it's not like I'm saying, do you want piece of cake or chocolate ice cream yeah you it's mean two pieces of cake yeah. <laughs> they're yeah, two yeah it's two pieces identical of cake. pieces of cake yeah well, maybe they're not quite identical because the mats might be you know slightly different shapes or something but they are two yummy pieces of chocolate cake because you've made them yummy you have to for, yes. you have to remember this that you made yep. those mats really reinforcing yep so yep. like you said, you know, you can't punish your horse for doing something that you you taught them to do. Yeah, because otherwise you're going into an extinction process. Right. Yeah. And so in, in the conversations around that topic, there was something that I thought was really interesting because someone was, you know, you were saying for every behavior you teach, uh, you have to teach uh, an opposite behavior to keep things in balance. And so someone brought up something she was doing and she said, well, this isn't exactly the same, is it? And you said, well, no, but it's it's the right, it's a good path. It's uh, the, the process is very good. So this is what she was doing. She was saying that, I think she was using the, um, the V cones setup. It doesn't matter. I mean, she was teaching a horse to back up, I think. Yeah. And she would reinforce him a few steps forward. So he was backing, she was clicking, and she was reinforcing a few steps forward. So back and forth, back and forth. And so she was saying, well, she was asking you, well, this isn't the same as teaching an actual opposite behavior. Like if I had clicked him, treated him for backing up, and then I asked him to go forward. But you answered, yeah, no, it's not exactly the same, but it's a really good way to get there because there's an expectation. There's, a, there's you know, you create this momentum of going back and going forward and back and forward. So, and the cues uh, do you want to to explain? Do you remember? You're doing great. <laughs> no, but this I thought this was good because it was kind of the process, and she she kind of knew it in a way. You know, she had the sense that she was probably on the right track. But see, that's another part that I love about those conversations. People can clarify certain things. You know, I think she she knew she was on the right track, but you kind of made it clear for her that it was a good process to get there. Yeah, yeah, because you when you're clicking, so you're the horse is backing up, and so he's giving the correct response to your cue to back, and so you click, and you've got some choices, so you you could feed him right where he is, mm -hmm. you could feed him so he backs up more, more, mm -hmm. you could feed him so he goes forward, mm -hmm. so I'm. Um, Pretty much. You could feed him so he in the bucket, drops his but, head, you know, yeah. but but we'll take those, you know, those those, those three. Um, yeah. Right. And you could feed him off to the side. And, but yeah. we'll just take, you know, you could feed him right where he is. You could feed him so he keeps backing up. 
you could feed him so he goes forward. So let's think about each of those scenarios. So let's say that you ask your horse to back up and you click and you feed him right where he is and then you ask him to back up and you click and you feed him right where he is and you keep doing this. And, and so what your horse is learning and learning really well is uh, that backing is a hot behavior. And so it's quite likely that when you come out the next day and I mean, this is the classic uh, where you, you've gotten your horse to back and you, you know, you're so excited because you, you start to ask your horse to back and he's backing five, six, seven steps and it's so easy and you're not swinging lead ropes at him and you're not cracking whips at him. You're just, you know, you're just giving him a soft, you know, slide down the, the rein or you're uh, gesturing with your hand and back he goes. And so you, you come out the next day and you want to show your friends how great your horse backs. And so you walk out to the paddock. And before you can even get in the paddock with him, your horse is backing 10 steps away from you. Click treat. This is really great. And then uh, your friends say, oh, that's so amazing. It's so wonderful. How did you teach that? And you say, oh, I've been using clicker training. And because this is sort of a general purpose barn, they go, Oh, yeah, clicker training, that stuff, you'll ruin your horse, you'll teach him to mug, he'll start biting you, all the rest of that that, that we hear about clicker training. And, and so you're now feeling really insecure because you're brand new to clicker training and, and your friends are telling you you're going to ruin your horse. And you were so excited, which is really sad because there you were so excited because your horse was backing. And, and, but then they're saying, you know, we're, we're, let's go for our trail ride and they go off to groom their horse and you go off to get your saddle and you walk into the paddock with your saddle and your horse backs 10 <laughs> steps away from you and you think oh no they're right you know I ruined my horse because you didn't keep the training in balance mm -hmm. and the same would happen if you know if I click and feed my so my horse backs up I'm doing you know I'm really emphasizing the backing and it may be that I have a horse who is very in my space and that's mm. why I'm putting so much emphasis on the backing. Mm -hmm. But I need to recognize that at some point it may get out of balance. Mm. So let's look at the third scenario. So I, my, I ask my horse to back up and I click and I feed forward. Mm. So now I'm starting to create the balancer to the backing. So my horse comes forward several steps to my hand that I'm presenting uh, right where the perfect horse would be and the perfect horse would be several steps forward. You know, if I asked him to back up two or three steps, I would click and I would feed so that he's moving back to the start of that movement cycle. And so then I ask him to back up again and he backs up and I click and I reach into my pocket as I am turning and moving my feet so that I'm not food luring, but I am presenting the food where the perfect horse would be. And what will happen is cues, cues evolve out of the shaping process. So what will begin to happen is that turning motion, you know, I'm asking my horse to back up, so I'm probably facing towards him. And then as I click, I rotate in my body, my feet are moving, I'm presenting my hand forward. All of that body language evolves into a cue so that now I can be standing in grown-ups are talking, my horse is stationary, and I ask my horse, I want to ask my horse to go forward 
So I rotate in my body mm. and I make a gesture that is similar to mm. the gesture that I was just using. And my horse goes, oh, you must want me to go forward. Mm. And as he goes forward, I click and treat. And so I'm now reinforcing the behavior of going forward is the skill that I'm working on ahead of the click. And I so right. I could click and reinforce him and I might reinforce, present the food so that he backs up mm -hmm. back at the start of the movement mm -hmm. cycle. Mm -hmm. And so I have used the food delivery to create the balancers. So right. now when I take my saddle out and my horse begins to back up, instead of it being, oh no, I ruined my horse or what a nuisance, I can ask my horse to go forward and then I can bring him into a standstill and life is good. So, you know, what we're doing really with all of this work and the reason that the foundation lessons are so powerful is it's all just built out of redistribution of weight and it's built out of being able to ask a horse to go forward and back. And if you can ask a horse to go forward and back, you can ask, a, you can find the middle, which is standing still. And if you have those three things, you have everything. You have everything. That's an interesting comment to end on. You may have everything, but I suspect you want to hear more. And of course, I'm going to make you wait until next time. I want to thank Dominique for all the wonderful comments she made at the start of this episode about the online clinics. I really appreciate that. If you are intrigued and you would like to learn more about these clinics, do please visit my website, theclickercenter.com. There you'll find lots of information about them. They are set up so you can register at any time. You don't have to wait for the start of a class. You go through them at your own pace. And of course, you get to stay at home. You don't have to fill up your gas tank to haul your horse anywhere. And given the gas prices these days, that's a huge advantage over the in-person clinics. So do check them out. And hopefully I'll be meeting you and your horse via these online clinics. Next time, we'll continue to explore some of the conversations that have emerged in the clinics that caught Dominique's attention. So until next time, enjoy your training and have fun with your horses.